Hey, I'm Ben Silverio. And I'm Jenna Dalgetty. And I'm Ansel Birch. And it's time to party! Thank you for joining us for our January coverage of Free Jack. This episode was recorded on December 16th, 2022. We are not doctors. We don't give medical advice. Please drink responsibly. Party people, welcome back. This is Time to Party, a podcast. Or so they tell me. Uh, <laughs> where we take a look at time travel media and celebrate all things that come out of the genre. Yes, even the movie we're covering this month, Free Jack. Featuring Emilio Estevez and Rene Russo and a whole bunch of other cool people in a bad movie. <laughs> a lot of cool people in a bad movie. But it's a fun movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There are fun out there are explosions. So explosions. many explosions. So many explosions. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it would be good to watch in a movie theater now. <laughs> just immediately no. <laughs> no, just like, you know. I mean, now. Like, oh, now? I thought yeah. you said no. Because, <laughs> no. you know, we love a movie with a, with explosions. Sure. Anyway, party people, welcome to the third episode of our deep dive. Because we've, <laughs> we've gone pretty deep into this movie. Uh, of our deep dive into the movie Free Jack. Uh, we are joined by the incredible Jenna Delgetti. Thank you for joining us for yet another ridiculous premise episode thank you for having me yeah <laughs> and as you all know party people this is our edutainment episode for our edutainment episodes we do not do a deep dive uh we take a shallow dive a very very shallow dive into some technology or some history or some whatever fun facts we find associated with the movie that we're talking about for the month yeah uh, we like to call it the lazy river of information. <laughs> yeah, because we're not scholars. Jesus, yeah, what yeah, do you right? want from us? We're not doctors. We're not Stella Cheeks and uh, <laughs> researching uh, the reanimator into, uh, you know, <laughs> the oblivion. I gotta say, because of Spooky 30s, uh, that's when I was just like, yeah, we definitely have to have Jen on our pod. But- so insightful. <laughs> I was just excited to finally meet you at a party and be able to talk. It was like, it's <gasps> like, oh, you're not on stage. No, no. A lot of times I'm not, but that's entertainers. They're just like us. What? No, no, no never. No. I mean, I'm, I'm collecting a check for this. Yeah. So uh... Ansel is taking care of it. Um, all the. So it's a cut of royalties. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't tell her. That was our... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was our agreement. Right. It's a cut of the royalty. You get a cut of the gate, you know. <laughs> I mean, this is a podcast. It's going to be replayed. I yeah, get oh, numbers yeah, of downloads, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. so many the residuals. Downloads. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um... Uh, we can't do residuals. HBO Max will cancel us. Oh, no. <laughs> then we'll be right there on the unemployment line with Henry Cavill. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Good company. And Anthony Hopkins. And Anthony Hopkins. Whoa. That's true. Westworld got got the sack. For Free Jack, there is a number of things that we could have covered while watching this movie. um, And parts of it re-watching because, uh, full disclosure, 
I did fall asleep at one point. <laughs> I had to rewind it back. It was only like 15 minutes, but like when that dude starts talking about uh, the ways to prepare rat, river rat, mm-hmm. I'm just like, what? What? And I spaced out and I fell asleep. So, <laughs> Do you think that eagle gives up? <laughs> what? Wow. Yeah. Ridiculous. Um... So I could have talked about eagles. I could have talked about rats. I could have talked about race cars, or the or Mick Jagger and his musical career. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. not out that of would our not be wheelhouse. Yeah, that would not be weird for us. Yeah, but instead, um, I decided to look up stopwatches because in the opening scene, holy, fuck. when they're timing him, they're Jesus, timing him. and Rene Russo has it around her neck. <laughs> <laughs> That's well done. Well done. This is this is his mo though. Like it was you that did the, the really rabbit's random foot, right? Thing. Uh, was no, that, Aaron that was Aaron. Did, Aaron yeah, did yeah. the rabbit's foot. But I mean, I've done some equally weird ones. So after that scene, early in the movie, <laughs> that very memorable scene, apparently. Apparently, I started wondering. I'm like, when did stopwatches become a thing? And you know the 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 desire to keep track of time has been around forever basically you know sure. like you could trace time pieces back to fucking stonehenge exactly but uh for the stopwatch um there were a number of people who came before the actual stopwatch okay. that created the pieces that you needed for a stopwatch mm-hmm. to work so In 1695, a British man uh, named Samuel Watson invented the Physician's Pulse Watch uh, at the request of a surgeon named John Floyer. Uh, This was a pocket watch that could be stopped by operating a lever uh, that was able to measure time at an accuracy of one-fifth of a second. That's pretty good. Pretty good, right? In 1695? Yeah. Like... Very precise. Watches were still a new thing. Well, I guess they'd be about 100 years old at that yeah. point. So. Um, next up was George Graham, who uh, his contribution uh, was through different inventions, uh, particularly uh, the deadbeat escapement. Uh, but his his claim to fame is that he came up with a start stopwatch that measures time to one sixteenth of a second. So, getting in tiny increments closer. Seventeen seventy six, dude from France, Jean Moyet Pouzet. He's the one who added the clock function to the stopwatch. Um, but it was paper. So it was sorry. Yeah, so um basically his version recorded the passage of time on paper. Um which is confusing, right? Mm-hmm. Like what? how did like a ticker tape? I think that's what it was. That's what it sounded like from what I was reading. Um which is not as practical as the other two pieces, right? But Why now so we get questions? to the traditional stopwatch that you think of right mm-hmm. the, listen, the, like the clicky the, clicky yeah, one. yeah yeah so it was widely accepted that the first stopwatch was made by 
Nicholas Matthew uh, Resurrect. Yeah. Uh, in 1822, because King Louis XVIII wanted a better way to uh, to record times for horse racing. I'm so glad it was horse racing. What did you think it was? I, I assumed it was a sex thing. Isn't it? Is horse no, racing they just not make a... it better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you do it while horses are racing. <laughs> so I'm just like... Oh, cool. That's a nice grassy area. I don't know. <laughs> it's a yeah, nice... Yeah. It was cool to hang out there. That would be a like cool it. place to be. Yeah. Um, so... It's a nice part of Paris. Yeah. I I have very um, disjointed memories of Paris because I was very... I don't want to say depressed. I was a little bummed out because Paris is a city for lovers. And being incredibly single in Paris is kind of depressing. <laughs> But that could be any city, right? Yeah. Like that's, mm-hmm. um, okay. His design was more of like a watch face that you'd see today in a pocket watch with the hands moving around. Ryusek was widely believed to be the uh, the, the world's first stopwatch. His, his version okay. was thought to be the one. Until and, and his is the clicky clicky one, right? Okay. Until May of 2012, when uh, right after the they stole his body, like three yeah, years later, three years after, three years after Alex Furlong's body has been, uh, you know, transported to the future. He bought this watch at auction. No, <laughs> yeah. Um, but a, a watch was put up for sale at auction in Geneva. Um, you know, by the Christie's. Uh, auction house um that discovered this watch from 1816 six years before that dude okay louis moignet uh made a watch called the computer de tierces or one sixtieth second counter uh which showed the passage of time with hands much like a modern stopwatch so when they discovered that, they were just like, oh, now we messed up. Because this was, this predates uh, Resurrex. So now it is, it is accepted that this uh, 1816 one was the first stopwatch. Gotcha. Like, as we know it today. Okay. Well, bam. <laughs> Shallow dive. <laughs> hmm. Who would have thought that... Uh, and. Honestly, this is the reason why I went with stopwatches because I didn't think there was so much drama around it. Like, yeah. oh yeah, we accepted that this dude designed the modern stopwatch. Nah, they were wrong. And then they owned up to it. Good for them. <laughs> That's nice of them. Because the other things that I was, <laughs> was considering doing Yeah, what did this, you think about doing? Oh my God. Uh, I mean, like, race cars was like the, the main one. Sure. And I'm just like, that's such a broad topic. VR... But with, sure. that was also a very broad topic. I was, I was, it was hard to pick out stuff that weren't explosions in this movie. Explosions? <laughs> we haven't done explosions yet. I'm just, I'm just waiting. I'm just saying, this movie is chock full of car explosions. It's true. Mm-hmm. Like just so many of them. Any car that even remotely gets dinged explodes. We I love sh- it. We should have done like the regulations around safety that makes cars less likely to explode. Ooh. Do you, you want to look that up real quick? You no, add? I don't. I really, really don't. 
Maybe I'll host and post it. There you go. <laughs> All right, Jenna, you're up. Okay. So, because they're really, you know, there's only like two big technology, like sci-fi technologies that are in this movie is, you know, like when you have the in the beginning of the movie where the truck gets set up and like you know the grid comes out to try and pinpoint the exact spot where Alex Furlong is going to be and then they like bring him to the future mm-hmm. that's one piece of sci-fi technology the, the, uh-huh. the bone jacking itself yeah. the bone jacking, the jacking by Mick Jagger and then bone the jacking. like whole we're going to imprint my mind onto your brain and then your mind will be gone like those are the two big things, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. otherwise, as we pointed out in it's previous episodes, stuff up. Yeah. well, and they still had corded phones. That's <laughs> true. So how much technology? Otherwise, that is like that one could consider like crazy futuristic. Uh, river rats. Really... <laughs> we forgot river rats. And he's like eating it off of like a pie tin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Telepresence robots. I yeah. guess. Um. But one thing that I caught in that beginning scene when uh, in the operating van, the operating (laughs) vehicle (laughs) that Emilio Estevez is transported into, (laughs) and apparently then they need to lobotomize him to... Like, stop him and sedate him? Cause he, yeah, because he woke up and he's not supposed to wake up. So we need to give him a lobotomy. Quick, get him on the table. Like, but wouldn't that damage his brain? They need that. For the mind, like, the brain uh, that, you, the, that the mind will get imprinted onto. Then you have a damaged brain. You'd think. What? Anyways, like, I was thinking, like, okay, like, they have that, that laser scope thing that looks like it's something out of, like, um, you know, Goldfinger. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, like, I was thinking, were there ever, like, lobotomies done with lasers like that? Because you always think the ice pick right in the, you know, corner yeah, right of the eye. The, yeah, the... And that's a lobotomy. But, like, have they ever done it with a laser? So, <laughs> went to the Google, because <laughs> that's how we look stuff up nowadays. And True. we do very shallow dives. Dear, dear friend Google. Yes. Uh, I found a really good article on Wired. Can we can we link in show notes or something? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right, absolutely. Cool. Then I'm going to send this. Yeah. Yeah, send me the link. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. So this is an article uh, from Wired from 2015. It talks about how psychosurgeons use lasers to burn away mental illnesses. So essentially what it does, you know, in lieu of the old ice pick lobotomy to mm. try to like, you know, Stop the part of the brain that's not working just right. Wiggle a thing around. Yeah, up and in we there just and... you know put this in there and wiggle it around, and that should the, make it work better, it. right? <laughs> but apparently, what they would do is they would use a laser uh, to focus on parts of the brain where, like, the neurons and the synapses have kind of you know like the mm-hmm. actual points that they can say. This is the part of the brain that controls this. And it talks, this article talks a lot about um, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. Oh, sure. Okay. And how in particular at, you know, especially in 2015, that this procedure, like using a laser at this point in the brain, because with OCD, I guess it's easier to pinpoint in the brain, like the exact spot that is causing like the misfires or, uh, you know, who knows what. Um, than like other mental illness. Like, Interesting. Hmm. 
So, so you could detect that with an MRI or something, presumably. Mm, easy, yeah, it's, it's easier to pinpoint. So then they use a laser right on that to burn away the like neural pathways that um, you know may have uh, uh, like yeah fused or yeah. Uh, so huh. in particular, they do that, uh, and in particular, it focuses a lot on OCD. So we will definitely link this article in the show notes. I highly recommend the read. What's the What's the time period on this? Like, when did they start doing this, and so, are they still doing it? Yes, and. Yeah, where was it? So, you know, they talk a lot about, um, in particular, the 1930s was when they, like, yeah, started really doing got the into lobotomies. Ice yeah. pick lobotomies. So it's actually recent in 2015. Oh, wow. It's still, like, kind of a, a more, like, cutting edge surgery. Sure, this surgery. is something to really worked on. So, um. I should ask my little brother about they drill a hole into the skull, like a small hole. Mm-hmm. They insert a blade oh. to kind of cut through the brain tissue that they need to get past. Because, you know. Oh, so you got to like open a window to the yeah, thing and exactly. zap it. And then you let that go back together. Mm-hmm. So then they have like, they can find that specific cluster of like neural pathways yeah. and connections and then that's when they zap zap and they get that burning away like some of the tissue that's there uh until apparently as it says until the beam has hollowed out about half a teaspoon of gray matter oh god oh, crap that seems like half a, lot. a teaspoon mm-hmm. well and here's the thing they also say that like this procedure in particular it's like it's not very common Sure, sure, sure. So it's like this is kind of the last resort procedure. Okay. Because like, and they say that it is only implemented under certain conditions. First off, like the patient has to have been non-responsive to three different types of medications. Hmm. So first off, that Mm -hmm. method isn't working for the patient. It's not helping them at all. They're not getting any better. And then they've also had a lot of therapy sessions. Sure. And so, you know, even just doing regular therapeutic sessions, you're not getting any, you know, it's not working. You're not able to move past any of the issues. Mm -hmm. Then at that point, they might get this. There's a quote from uh, Charles Mickle. He was a neurosurgery resident at Columbia University Medical Center at the time in 2015. I hope he's graduated and uh, gone on to do some great things, Charles. Uh, He says... No pressure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm look you up. For these patients who are the sickest of the sick, they should be allowed the best option at a normal life. Sure. So that's the mindset that comes into opting for this type of surgery. Yeah. Extreme situation calls for... Right. Because that's just it. It's like, yeah, you are getting a a teaspoonful of gray matter out of their brain. So it's like, you got to think of like how jarring that can be for the patient too. So... Yeah, it's only like, you know, for big cases that yeah, they yeah. do that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So. Wow, mm-hmm. wow, wow. That's Remember when so we cool. said we weren't doctors? Yeah. <laughs> Jenna's kind of a doctor. Charles Mickle. Charles Mickle. <laughs> Hopefully he's gone on Shout to Shout out a... Charles Mickle. Yeah, Chucky. <laughs> <laughs> Party people, thank you for joining us this month as we talked about Free Jack. Uh, you can watch Free Jack, if you'd like, on Peacock. Just about anywhere. 
Yeah, Peacock, Freevee, YouTube, probably, Ansel's House. Probably some other places. <laughs> yeah. yeah the, probably find a DVD of it at a, or a VHS at a uh, pawn shop. Emilio or, uh, Estevez Salvation will bring Army. it to you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In a race car. Check the bargain bin at your Best Buy. Uh, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be surprised if this movie library. was out of print. Probably is, yeah. Because oh, how, how many waves do they need of Free Jack on DVD? <laughs> I mean... Is it on Blu-ray? Oh, that's I didn't even check. That's a good point. That's a good barometer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Once it hits Blu-ray, you're good. And was there ever a Laserdisc issued of it? It is on Blu-ray. Wow. Ah, yes. For those wonderful special effects. <laughs> Especially see it on HD. All of the special effects when they end up in the, uh, the spiritual switchboard and, and meet. I don't know how it happens, but Tron looks better than this. <laughs> like, uh, yes, thank you for tuning in. This has been Free Jack. You can go back and listen to the rest of the episodes. You can listen to the rest of all of our episodes if you want. One and two. Yeah, look at that. We're we're going strong with season three. Yeah, strong opener. Free Jack with uh, Free Jack and the amazing Janet Delgetti. Boop boop. Thank Woo-hoo. you. Yeah, party people. You can find us on the internet. I am at Bcelverio20 on Instagram, Twitter, and Hive. I am at Indecisionist on Twitter and at The Indecisionist on Instagram. And I'm at Jenna Dalgetty on Twitter and at Jenna Dalgetty on Instagram because I am that old. You can join in the conversation by using the hashtag time to party. That is time the number two party. As well as time the number two party. All spelled out. Thanks for it. Special thanks to April Moralba for our podcast art and to Marlon Loggett of Marlon and the Shakes for our amazing theme song. This has been an Indecisionist production. And until we meet again somewhere in the time stream, hopefully if we don't get phone jacked by Mick Jagger, uh, we would like you all to be excellent to each other. Party on, dudes. <laughs> <laughs>